0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this series of interviews done by ARKIN Digital Health. I'm Nadav Shimoni. I'm leading digital health investments for ARKIN. In this series of interviews, we're going to bring leaders and seasoned executives coming from different parts of the U.S. healthcare system, hopefully to allow you, entrepreneurs, investors, and anyone trying to tap into the U.S. healthcare system to gain some insights, some value, some understanding how to do that better. In this episode, we had Dr. Steve Klaska with us. Dr. Klasko just concluded a decade-long tenure as the president and CEO of Jefferson Health and Thomas Jefferson University. Under his leadership since 2013, Jefferson has expanded from two hospitals to 18, while also converging the university with the health system and adding an insurer business. Before joining Jefferson, he served as the dean of two medical colleges and the leader of other three academic health centers. He authored a couple of books and has been involved with startups and more late-stage companies throughout his long-standing career as a consultant, as a board member, as an active contributor. In this episode, we talked with Dr. Klasko about why it tends to be fairly challenging to introduce innovation into health systems, what are the common pitfalls early-stage companies are experiencing when interacting with hospitals and how they can overcome them, and about the importance of understanding why not everything will make sense in these interactions. Let's get started. Dr. Steve Klasko, pleasure having you with us. Nadav, it's really great to be with
1: you and uh, exciting times, to say the least.
0: Super exciting. And I think we'll cover lots of interesting topics in this episode and looking forward to get started.
1: Great. I'm,
0: I'm ready, as always. Ter- terrific. Um, so actually, I mean, we're, we're doing that pretty often. Um, maybe you, you can start with just describing um, an, a point or two in your longstanding career which really influenced you in a meaningful way.
1: Well, well, probably the most timely thing would be I just uh, just today uh, sent my book, my newest book, my sixth book, to the publisher. It's called "Feeling All Right: How the Message in the Music Can Save Healthcare," and it basically highlights my uh, my forty years of being a healthcare leader were influenced by my forty five years of being a DJ. So uh, one thing, one thing, and wh- where that matters to to your listeners is. In times of great change, uh, creativity, fun, looking at uh, how other industries have handled things are, I think, really, really important. I think probably the the second most important thing, and at least in, as I look at a sixty eight year old history, not to give you any of my elementary school uh, foibles, but um, I had a chance to work with Apple uh, in the pre pre iPad, pre iPod, pre iPhone age, and what was Brilliant about that that I that I've used, and I think should be something we talk about, is that the the brilliance of Steve Jobs is he recognized that the entire computer and operating system model was going to become a commodity, and rather than compete with Gateway and Dell and Microsoft to get a greater share of a commodity, he basically said, "All right, well, I'm I'm sort of not the market share leader. I'm going to go and think about what's going to be obvious ten years from now and do it today." And that's you know the iPod came out, etc. So, to me, that that's what I did at, at building what was the fastest growing academic medical center in the country in Philadelphia, was literally we talked about the same kind of thing: the old math being hospitals, outpatient, and in-person tuition, and and NIH funding, and the new math being this digital lifestyle and healthcare at any address. Uh, and I got the same original attitude from my faculty that Steve got, which is, "Hey, dude, our entire." Our entire math is all those things, and you have to convince them. Yeah, but that's not going to last forever.
0: Terrific! I think that's that's a great segue, maybe to a first question. I mean, on top of being a DJ, um, you're all, always recognized as a very out of the box leader. You know, the kind that is really able to push innovation within you know the hospital environment, health health systems, and so on. But I guess it begs the question: Why do you think it's so? Hard, so challenging in pushing new things uh, in 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 healthcare, mainly you know in the providers' angle. I would say,
1: you know, the first chapter of my book. Every book is named after a um, after a song. My first chapter is called "Courage to Change," which is a great song by Sia. And I think we don't have the courage to change. I think you know, um, you look at the leaders of most health systems. I mean, I am the most unlikely leader of a health system on the planet, especially a conservative health system. But most of them grew up through an academic angle. And, you know, and, and, and the ones that are doctors, I mean, I'm an obstetrician, right? Not of, and, and, you know, like you don't want your obstetrician when he's, when he or she is making a decision of whether or not to deliver your baby to be fun, creative, crazy, or DJ, you have to make a very, very, you know, you know, based on the algorithms, based on, on the experience, based on uh, the best thing to do for that baby, what to do. That's a non-creative sport. And I think what happens is because those people then become the next healthcare leaders, they look at their at least administrative piece the same way. I'm not going to take any chances. I'm not going to take any risks, um, you know. And then I have a great I have a great slide in my presentations that has a board a board group together saying, you know, instead of trying anything new, let's continue our slow slow decline to obsolescence. And I think you know you surround yourself with boards and lawyers that really. If they say no, they're not going to get in trouble. Just a a quick anecdote, you know, um, I I gave a talk for 700 uh, attorneys and they said, Steve, how did, like at Jefferson, like that was like the most conservative place. How did you get all these things to change? Did you have to get all new lawyers? And I said, no. Took the same lawyers, but I asked a different question. If you say, can I do this? They're going to say no. If you say, I'm going to do this, how do I stay out of jail? You know, 90% of the time they'll say I'd rather you not do this, but if you're going to do it, here's how you do it. And 10% of the time, they'll say, there's no way you can stay out of jail. And those are the 10% of things you don't do. So I think that some of this is just taking an entrepreneur. The fact is, if there's one thing that I think that, that hopefully your listeners will 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 get is there's no right or wrong. It's just that entrepreneurial and academic, you know, do not have to be mutually exclusive.
0: And, and a very different beast, you know. Maybe worth worth consider that I guess, but
1: but necessary today, right? And
0: necessary. and by the way, since, since
1: yeah. most of your listeners are going to be folks in the in the transformation world, in the in the entrepreneurial world, in the digital world, you know, um, you have to recognize that your world is changing, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, you know, you know this, not but you know, you can't you can't just put A and I in your title and say, oh, "Aren't I cool?" and have a two billion dollar company anymore. And, you know, it, it, it's funny because in one of the companies that I work with, I'm older by about 25 years. And, you know, a lot of these founders, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are brilliant, 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 much more brilliant than me, 30-year-olds with degrees from Stanford and MIT. And... Um, You know, when I first got there in 2021, you know, hey, I don't need you, grandpa. You know, you, you know, you know, I I have a $2 billion company. Now that they have to be scalable, sustainable, you know, I'm like Mr. Miyagi and Karate Kid. You know, it was like, you know, they're all coming to me and saying, how do I become sustainable and scalable? And I, I often say, you know, for those of you who, who aren't from the United States, but, you know, um, um, well, tell me when you're relevant for a three hospital system in Ohio and some of them will go where's ohio and i go that's the problem you know you know you have to be able to get to the point where a hospital ceo can understand why bringing your product into their system is going to either be better for access quality cost or patient experience
0: perfectly clear and and you know i think that besides being aware of ohio and and being very uh, i would say diligent in the way you present your value proposition and, and, and having in mind the Karate Kid metaphor, what is the else, you know, advices you can give our listeners, you know, maybe in terms of common pitfalls you you saw around, you know, companies trying to interact with uh, with Jefferson or with other providers?
1: Yeah, but that's a great question out of, and it's something I think is probably the least talked about. You cannot have a deck, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, it drives me nuts on on the provider side when I see these like billboards, you know, come to X hospital, we are patient centered. And I always like laugh cause I say, well, are, are you patient centered for somebody like me with a 68 year old with a aura ring and two Apple watches or a 28 year old disconnected person or a 75 year old with cancer who only goes on her computer to see her kids on Facebook. I mean, you know, those are very different things. I would argue the same kind of thing is a huge trap for the people listening to this. So for example, you know, I have a pretty short attention span. I probably had every initial when I was growing up, ADD, OCD, et cetera. But the the um, you know, if the first four slides for me as the CEO of a of an 18 hospital system were digital health is a big thing. You know, you can't just, you know, like I literally kicked them out of the office after about three minutes. Okay, like, like, are you kidding me? You obviously didn't like Google you know, there's some stuff that I'd rather you not Google, but the good stuff about me, you obviously didn't, didn't Google that. Um, you know, so, so I think that, that the concept of, at Wharton, they used to say, um, you know, the best negotiators and the best marketers are ones that don't think about what they want. They think about what the other party wants at the lowest cost to themselves. So my, my first advice would be do a lot of research on the person you're talking to And, and, and the, um, and, and also, you know, how you want to put, put your, your thing. I like people got used to me, the people that I, that I ended up where I started with general catalyst and, and a 16 Z got to the point where I said, here's the last slide. (laughs) It was like, here's the last slide in the punchline. And, and Steve, tell me what other slides you want to hear. OK, now, and again, having said that, there are other places that if you do the homework really need that. Let me tell you why digital health is important to you. So, that, so that's first. And the second one that, that, that I'd say is n- know the time. I mean, we are in a very, you know, I mean, there's a health system in Philadelphia that was running 10, 12 percent margins. I mean, it's the it, best payer mix in the city. And it was in modern healthcare. Um, this, 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 uh, this issue that they're losing like a hundred million dollars because, you know, for all the inflation and all the, you know, the, the, the workforce where we're nurses in some cases are a couple hundred bucks an hour with temporary staffing, unlike any other sector of this economy, we can't charge more. In fact, we're, we're getting paid less. So if, if you're not helping a system within the next 12 to 18 months, what I'm finding is a lot of health systems, even innovative ones, are closing their innovation shops, you know, for, for a period of time just because they just have to survive, right? If, if, if you're having chest pain, you're not worried about stubbing your toe. And I think, you know, that, that, that that's what's going on. And then the third thing, if you're working in America, is I guess the best way to do this, and I will probably get a call from uh, Judy Faulkner, but beware of the epidemic, that you know, look into the um, CTO, CIO of the health system, and get a feel for whether or not they're willing to think creatively, or whether their whole career has been "I'm implementing Epic, and I don't need your product because Epic will do it." Um, and I think that that's a that's a uniquely American thing, but it's an important uh, trap that I think some some entrepreneurs, especially from Israel, have gotten into.
0: Understood. So essentially, just to highlight that again, do your research, do your homework, come prepared because leaders, healthcare leaders, CEOs, hospital managers do not come um, with a single set of of wishes, opinions, and desires. Uh, Hospitals tend to be very, very different. And and maybe on that angle, I mean, when you started with Jefferson, it was a three hospital system. Two hospital system, actually. Two hospital, actually. Wow. So even more amazing. And, and, and by the time you ended your tenure there, it was 18 hospitals, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with that number. So, I mean, y- you had the opportunity to lead, I would say, a rather small hospital organization, and then it grew substantially. Being in that, like in these two positions, what do you think are the main differences when a company is interacting with the small health system rather than interacting with a large health system?
1: Yeah. Um... So I, I think you know w- when you're dealing with a with a small health system, you know, literally uh, mistakes take on a greater a, a, a greater magnitude, right? Because there there's less margin to play with. Um, number one, number two, personalities matter more, right? I mean, there's a there's a single head of the hospital, you know, there's you know, um, and and the, the the other piece of it is they probably don't have. I mean, in most cases, a robust innovation or digital piece. So they're either they've either ignored it, or you know they're using uh, uh, consultants or or folks like I'm on the board of a of a company called Avia Health, which you know is a is a in essence a consulting group uh, for about 55 health systems, some large, some some smaller, and the smaller ones use us in some respects as their sort of digital consultant. Should I use that you know, a readmissions company from Israel or should I use the one from over here? What about, you know, I'm, I'm hearing about hospital at home. How should I view that? Um, so, so I think, again, a little bit of the research, but it's going to be more important that you understand what the triggers are in a small hospital because everything is, is magnified. In a, in, a, in a large health system, in, in almost all large health systems of 2022, there is there is an innovation component. There is, we had something called DICE, the digital innovation and consumer experience. In some per- situations, that group, that person becomes the gateway. So, I mean, the best way to put it in, in my large health system sense is, and, and I had my aha moment when one day I went to HIMSS, you know, 30,000 people, 878. Um, Twenty-eight year olds, you know, at the exhibits, gave me like a Hershey kiss and said, "If you buy my app, you'll transform healthcare." And I, you know, I had to say, "No, you really that's not going to happen." But I decided, you know, uh, and and I hope I, the
0: Hershey was was tasty. <laughs>
1: that's still. Right. But but um, you know, I, I wrote an article a long time ago. I'm never getting fleeced again. And it was I won't give the name of the company. It actually I think started out in Israel, but but it was a, it was a company that that I had helped co-develop and, and was involved in, and, and the place that I worked with, the University of South Florida, was the first foundational partner and customer. About four years later, the, the founder called me and said, Steve, I want to take you out to dinner. I said, well, why? He goes, well, you know, we just got our next valuation at a couple billion dollars. I couldn't have done it without you, and I certainly couldn't have done it without USF, so I want to take you out to dinner. I said, well, that better be a heck of a dinner if you're worth $2 billion, because I didn't have any stock in it. He goes, oh, no, but I'm also going to send you a few fleeces. So I wrote this article. I'm never getting fleeced again. And I think what what you're starting to see in in, in large health systems like, like like Jefferson is that if I'm going to use your product, you know, and and, and I'm and especially if you want my help in co developing it, if I if I think enough of it, I want to figure out a way that I can invest in it early on, and also maybe earn some sweat equity. You know, I I don't like that term, but, you know, earn some what we call co-development equity. So, you know, at at Jefferson, for example, you know, there are probably four or five companies that we did that with that if you look at our balance sheet, you know, that they've probably brought in more than than our 18 hospitals, especially given, given this, you know, the the situation we're in, that there's a, there's a a company that I just wrote you about, for example, that came out of Wharton um, that, you know, it, it, it brings up a lot of the issues that are going on in America when you're trying to to, to sell something. So one is, this is an infertility company um, that basically takes the six or $7,000 in an infertility. I'm, I'm, I'm an OBGYN. So, you know, we would send patients to the hospital for lab tests and ultrasounds, et cetera, about $6,000 a month. Um, and they'd have to come to the hospital. This does almost all of it at home for about 20% of the cost. And I remember when I first sent it to my my chair of ob who was a reproductive endocrinologist, I said, wow, this seems almost too good to be true. And he said, technology is amazing, Steve. It's really amazing. It's just as good as what we do in the hospital. I said, great. So we'll pilot. He goes, oh, no, we'll never use it. Why? Well, you pay pay us all on RVUs. And well, yeah, that'll decrease. So there's a great Upton Sinclair quote. It's hard to get somebody to do something when their salary depends upon them not doing it. So, again, the one thing, I know I've said a lot of the one thing, but for Israeli entrepreneurs, do not underestimate the bizarreness of the American healthcare delivery system and and financial system. Now, things are changing in the United States by, you know, uh, kicking and screaming, you know, toward value-based type things. And certainly who you approach becomes important because if you're in the senior world, for example, you want to go after Medicare Advantage, you know, the humanis of the world and the partnerships with Medicare Advantage. Because Medicare Advantage is one of the few places in the United States where the provider and the payer are totally aligned. Yep. Short of the Kaisers of the world, the UPMCs of the world, the Intermountains of the world that actually have their own insurance company.
0: Yeah. And and maybe, I mean, you, you raised the point of kind of like the Israeli entrepreneurs and the differences between the Israeli system and the U.S. system. I mean, I think you are having a lot of interaction with Israeli companies also throughout your your role in Sheba. Um, what do you think, I mean, honestly, you know, differentiate Israeli companies for better and worse, I guess, um, Israeli companies uh, as opposed to U.S.-based companies? The beautiful
1: thing about um, Israeli entrepreneurs is, A, there's a lot of them, <laughs> and B, they're not shy, generally, and it's, it's, it's hard to generalize, but at least that's what I found. Um, and they all think that they should be big in america um and you know and i think that that again i think some advice i'd give especially now where 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 money is not quite as free is i think that the more that you can uh, broaden what you're doing horizontally, the better. I mean, I think if, if you're sitting, if you're doing a readmission company and you're seeing two or three other folks around you that, that could maybe add to what you're doing, that would make a barrier to entry to somebody else coming in, you know, think about working together with those folks, because point solutions, there's just so many point solutions out there. And you know, you know, and you know, not of you know. I one of the places I work for is General Catalyst, and you know, we're 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 the largest, um, the largest digital health company. So, so what I've done is, you know, there's three or four Israeli companies where I've I've introduced them, and you know, they hadn't done their their competitive analysis well enough to understand that there might have been two or three American companies that are much further along than they were. Um, that doesn't mean that, that they couldn't add something. It doesn't mean that they couldn't eclipse them at some point, but, um, you know, you might, you, so you might be the only company doing X in Israel, but if you haven't done, you know, your homework and, and your competitive analysis and recognize, you know, what, what else is out there? Cause GC or A16Z, or Oak is going to know. Her, and, and as is Arkin, I mean, we've had discussions where I've brought up companies to you and said, well, you know, I I've looked at four or five others that, that I didn't know about. So, um, so I think that that, 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 that's the key. Look, I, you know, I mean, now having said that there's companies like AI doc that that, that GC's invested in MD clone, you know, which came out of Shiva, and, you know, Ziv done a great job and and there's others. But the, the other thing to recognize is to recognize what what is your what is your realistic aspiration? Because of the bizarreness of America, you know, you know, creating a company that works in throughout Israel and maybe throughout Europe is not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I compare it sometimes to you know when when baseball scouts first went to the Dominican Republic, and there were all these amazing, amazing, amazing pitchers. You know, and they, and they at some point had to tell the ones, look, you're amazing and you can basically, you know, be an all star in the Dominican League. And that's good. You know, there's only two or three or four or five of you that, that really can make it to the, to the United States major leagues. And that's, that's, that's not anything against you. That's just, that's just how it is. Understood. And by the way, I want to make this really clear so I don't sound like uh, the, ro- the wrong way. It's not because we're so awesome. It's mostly as I said before because we're so fragmented expensive, inequitable and broken. Um, some cases were awesome but but it's 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 more the former
0: understood point taken um, and, and and I guess I mean again we, we are hitting this point of of doing your research I mean competitive analysis, understanding who are you speaking with not just in terms of when you're selling to a provider for example, but also when you're raising funds also I mean, Investors come with different flavors. Yeah, Sometimes and and hobbies. and also, who
1: who do you even approach? Yes. like you know, again, if 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 all you're doing is saving money and moving people out of the hospitals, like going to the hospital is probably not the first good place to go. And but people yeah. always go to the hospital first. Hey, hey, Steve, I have this great product that will shrink your margin even more than it is today. Oh, great. I mean, that's not how, that's not what the slide says, but that's the first thing I'm seeing. So in those situations, you you might want to go to a payer first or you might want to, you know, go to, you know, like I said, a place like Intermountain that's both. Um, If you're doing something for a hospital system, you know, I'm going to repeat it. It needs to really affect their cost in the next 12 to 18 months. It needs to really affect their quality and quality score in the next 12 to 18 months. If you're not doing that, if you're saying, you know, in five years you could be X, you know, Really hard to get people's attention.
0: I think there is a notion to your point, and you've mentioned that in this conversation as well. That value-based care is becoming a thing, but at least in my in my perspective, it is still very shy of of what's going on in terms of fee for service activity in the states. And and lots of entrepreneurs, and and I, w- I will include myself in it as well. You know, are are operating within healthcare to do something with meaning. You know, to help people. And, and I think we, we sometimes, it's sometimes really challenging to find an, a product, a solution that creates value, but still, you know, somebody will pay for it. I mean, it's, yeah. not, it's not sufficient to help, I mean, as, as lame as it may sound, it's not sufficient to help patients, it's not sufficient to help uh, physicians. You need to uh, have this alignment of stars where someone will actually want to pay for that.
1: You know, but it's such a, that's that's such an important point. You know, I I decided to take this third phase of my career, you know, not as you know, predominantly around that. How do we take social determinants, population health, health equity and predictive analytics from these philosophic and academic exercises to the mainstream of clinical care payment models and medical education. That That's my goal for the, you know, what, what, what we're calling responsible innovation. And I think that, um, I think that that we are at this nexus time where you can both do well and do good at, at, at the same time, and I think some of your companies are doing that. You know, I've been involved with some of the General Catalyst companies, like CityBlock and um, Eleanor CityBlock on the on the community health worker side, and Eleanor Health on the um, substance use side. I think for the first time, behavioral health for the underserved and, and substance abuse is, is, are not like forbidden words, you know, because I think, you know, some of these digital companies have been able to really go to insurers and, 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 and have, have us deal with those things. Um, but it's hard. Uh, and, you know, I mean, so the point about value-based is everybody keeps saying, yeah, but next year it's going to be, you know, it's going to be big. When I give, I give talks around the country, probably 50 a year. And, you know, I go to hospitals. we're all about moving from volume to value, Right. Huzzah, yeah and then i go oh, okay so so i'm going to give a really low number how many of you have oh, i'm this is ridiculous i'm sure it's going to be 100% of you 25% of your revenue based on value and i'll get a couple shy hands so you know so um you know the fact is that the fragmentation of our system is really an important thing to know and and, and i'm not i'm not being funny or sarcastic it's just part of the business of healthcare think about a situation, the pandemic, where insurers, I mean, United healthcare had like a $6 billion profit quarter. Did they do anything amazing? Did they cure cancer? No. The Medicaid, and in some cases, the Medicare patients that they had decided not to go to the hospital, in many cases died. And they had predicted to the employers and to the government that they would pay X, and they didn't have to pay it. So think about a system where a hospital like Jefferson at one point was down a billion dollars, and the nonprofit blue that that we were that we that, that was doing thirty-second commercials about how great they were, um, you know, ha- was up five hundred million dollars. It's not that we did anything wrong If anything. We did a lot right of taking care of people, you know. Yeah, you're doing, the good, doing of the your job. Pay. Yeah, but so so so, and then you know even things like you know. Uh, PBMs and generic drugs. I, I mean, Martin Shreckley, the only reason he's in jail is because he bought the Wu Tang clan album. The whole generic drug business in the United States is I'm going to undercut everybody else with this generic drug so that nobody else can compete. And then three years later, I'm going to increase it by seven or eight times. So I, I, the reason I'm bringing all these things up is, you know, it's a little bit like getting married. Uh, I, I know one of your producers is getting married. My advice to him, not, not that he asked me, is, you know, know as much as you can before uh, <laughs> because, you know, uh, if, at some point in in 20 years it'll come out and it's better to know that before. And I think the more you can, if you're, if you're really interested in the United States, the more you can, you know, map it out and understand it and understand who's really going to benefit from your product, uh, both financially and socially. Then, then you've got a real shot.
0: Got it. And uh, with that opportunity, we will wish Adar um, congratulations with his marriage. And we'll just say that we are very happy to work with him and Valuable and they're doing awesome work for us with this podcast. Um, but I think as we are coming uh, towards the end of this episode and we have so much more to discuss, I really want to address kind of like the elephant in the room. You've been alluding to uh, the, the situation right now. I mean, the environment, the change of things we're seeing both in terms of you know inflation and staffing and all those things that are creating pressures on mainly on providers. But also, I think pairs right now are having their challenges, their fair amount of challenges right now. I mean, being an executive in residence within GC and working with so many companies, what type of advices do do companies seek these days? I mean, innovative companies. How do they deal with this situation? What keeps them up at night?
1: Yeah, I I think I think well, I, I think the, the the most current thing is that that their world has changed, and it's been many years since since at least the last five years that you know they've most founders you know that are already financed by a GC or whatever or you know. Uh, just assume that their next round will be, you know, bigger than their their round. I mean, so for the first time, we're talking about things like debt. You know, like you know, to get to the next round, you might need debt. Now, you know, in a in a in a bull situation where you've got the Arkans and the and the and the GCs and the Oaks and the A sixteen Zs and all these others, you know, and it's 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 harvest time. That's one set of conversations when you're going to a Morgan Stanley or JPM and and asking them to lend you money, those folks aren't as creative. Um, And, you know, so, so what becomes important on your projections and that kind of thing, you know, so, you know, again, advice there is you really have to, you know, start to look at people that are going to challenge your numbers, challenge your projections, look at everything that could be wrong, About what you think, and and you know, so because that's what that's what folks will start to do. You know, is this scalable? Are there too many humans? What's the barrier to entry? What's the competitive analysis? Because that's that's what folks are increasingly doing. Just because you have a good idea and and that it's worked in four or five places. The other thing, the other thing that I think becomes important is that it's not just how many places are piloting your thing, but how. Diverse are those places, because in some respects, you know, you might think, "Well, you know, I'm in I'm in um, Providence, you know, an Ascension and you know UPMC." Well, the problem, you know, or even you know, sometimes again, we're in Mayo and Cleveland Clinic. Well, the problem, those things, in almost all those situations, they've also invested. And does that mean that they're going to be relevant again to that three hospital system in Ohio, or even to a Jefferson? So so the, the ability to say, you know, I'm in this small system, you know, in um, in, in Wisconsin, I'm, I'm at UCLA doing some work with Tenet, you know, for-profit. And by the way, one of the payers is talking to me, you know, Humana. That's really, really, really interesting because then I, in my GC role or my abundant role, can start to look and say, wow, you know, if Humana is interested, there could be five other payers if if UCLA is interested, it'd be five, you know, so I think that, 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 and and then the other thing is, you know, start to look at some of these, um, I I don't know what the right word is, but conglomerations, right? So, um, so Avia, I I mentioned, you know, uh, if you can get Avia interested, you've got potentially 55 health systems. Um, General Catalyst, you know, is actually starting this group of tier one partners, which will be like 10 health systems that are working with us, you know, in a in a in a different way. So I think the concept of not having to go one hospital by one hospital by one hospital, starting to look at where some of these I think what what'll start to happen is there'll be innovation supersites. If you think about GPOs, that's what's that that's what happened with supplies, is that smaller hospitals recognized that they were getting uh, I don't know what word I can use on the podcast, but, but they, they were getting the short end of the stick, um, you know, compared to an HCA. HCA could negotiate uh, this medical device or, 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 or you know, these amount of things for like one half because HCA was big and they were small. So what happened is you created GPOs. I think you'll start to see that, especially in this country, with you know, in essence, innovation GPOs all right, I need a hospital home company. There's a hospital of Israel. There's medically home. There's Maribel. Um, you know um, which one do I want to use? Well, you know, I think the GPO will look at it and say, okay, then what am I getting out of that? Are you going to give me some carry? If I go, so here's out of the five that are out here, here's two that I think are the top quality and maybe one's in Israel, one's in the United States. Then it becomes, what's the best deal I'm getting? You know, so I think you'll start to see some of that. And I think that'll be an important, it's something I'm actually working on. That'll be an important uh, opportunity for both uh, health systems payers and for 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 especially Israeli entrepreneurs They can get a bigger audience, right? Yeah. You know, because that's really what it gets down to is if you really think you have something that's differentiated, how do you get to a bigger audience?
0: Yeah. Dr. Steve Glasgow, I mean, I think there are so many important points throughout this conversation and, and I cannot underscore how meaningful they can be uh, for our listeners. It's been such a pleasure having you and it's so much fun. I mean, uh, I wish we could have uh, switched to like a DJ session to end this episode but maybe next time. Thank you so much um, and, and looking forward to continue working with you in different capacities. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Nadav. I'm going to leave you with one quote and I'm going to... Um I'm I'm going to loosely paraphrase a a philosophy legend, Aristotle. And um, uh, the problem in American medicine is not that we aim too high and fail. It's that we aim too low and exactly hit the mark. So I think the key is really trying to find those places that are willing to aim high and and in some cases will succeed. And if you as an Israeli company can be part of that, uh, then I think it's a really exciting marriage. Amen.
0: Amen. Okay. Thank you, Nara. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained some real value from it. And we would love to have your thoughts, feedback, and anything else. Links are available in the description. See you next time.